What's up? Good morning, everybody. You are listening to another episode of Modern Guild. Thank you for subscribing, clicking play, etc. We're up to episode 46, and I'm pretty sure we also just turned a year old recently. So that's nice. Wow. Oh, fuck, yeah. We actually did. Hey. Yeah. I want to revisit some of those early episodes, but I also don't because... I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're pretty bad. Um, I mean, I, I, the podcast is still probably pretty bad. But anyway, yeah, I listened to one of our really old episodes last time I was on a plane um, just because I had no data. And for some reason, I still had one of the old episodes available on my phone. It was kind of funny. It was good. But uh, yeah, somewhat okay. confronting. So, I um, Speaking of confronting, was going through old photos because uh, I don't really have any old photos or you know social media available to me that um, confronts me with poor decisions of my past, which uh, a lot of like those companies seem to do now as a feature. Like, yeah, I've noticed that as <laughs> remember well. Remember your shitty life from five years ago. <laughs> yeah, so um, I was going back all the, these photos, and I was just fucking. It was horrible. It, it was just like. Uh, like the fucking alcoholic years and everything and i was like oh jesus yeah (laughs) i um i don't enjoy that either in fact i think i changed the settings on my facebook profile to just like show no photos of me maybe i did that i also Yeah. yeah have like deleted i think any and all other social media presence that i have uh with like my personal information on it so that's good um i even changed my twitter handle recently so did you yeah uh my twitter name is now your boy uh oh yeah i saw that yeah, yeah. and uh changed my photo as well i am good man uh, i'm a faceless Dear enigma honest. as a co-host of modern yeah. guilt now although so everyone knows who i am but... super offensive shit or oh, well uh, i guess i could if i or... wanted yeah, good start sharing some Papa John's content. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we kicked off the pod, I was recounting to Hayden uh, one of my favorite stories of um, conference call history, which actually is surprisingly more interesting than a lot of, than I'd imagine a lot of people thinks it is, um, because there's been numerous uh, quarterly earning conference calls that have ended in like complete fucking disaster. But perhaps in the top five is Papa John's, uh, <laughs> the Papa John's founder responding to a question of how he plans to deal with uh, racism or something in the NFL, I believe, or it might have been the, I don't know, like NASCAR or some shit. I think it was the um, NFL. And res- was it NFL? Yeah. And responded yeah. with uh, <laughs> like the fact that Colonel Sanders um, was allowed to say the N-word and disappointed that he was not allowed to say the n-word Come uh, on, followed Jones. by an 11 percent drop in the fucking share rates <laughs> oh dude you'd be so pissed anyway yeah that's a pretty stupid reason to sell your shares though yeah well yeah i guess it is um although i guess you know there could be an argument made for like an erratic ceo uh because if you're spouting off about that kind of shit then it's like like is that what matters to you you know yeah yeah that's, that's a good point i guess plenty of people <laughs> i guess plenty of people make the same <laughs> argument about elon right but uh 
Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, him blasting at random morons on Twitter uh, about Bitcoin and the finer points of it is just kind of an indication of like, is this, is this like, you know, the concern of a, um, whatever his <laughs> oh, net worth was, is or someone running yeah, like a 500, a billionaire, multi CEO. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You know. Um, I saw a, a screenshot <laughs> of, um, an Elon tweet that Grimes responded to on Twitter. The tweet was just like, lol, pronouns are the dumbest thing ever or something. And Grimes commented saying like, I love you, but please put your phone away. This isn't who you are. Your heart isn't filled with hate or something like this. (laughs) She's like, please come home or call me or something. (laughs) I bet they had like the worst. Oh, man. I just don't even want to think about that shit. They must have a horrible relationship, dude. (laughs) (laughs) i don't understand how she could be happy but daddy why are people sad at you (laughs) can you imagine what his kids have to go through (laughs) yeah they probably get bullied at school by like other parents (laughs) your fucking dad called someone a pedo and dropped the price of my fucking (laughs) asshole. yeah i can see that you know yeah (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I, oh man, one of the group chats that we're in is annoyingly active right now. And I keep getting distracted by my phone. People talking about tradies masturbating in portaloos. Um, yeah, I'll put my phone on flight mode. There you go. How's that for a plan? So I started reading some, uh, interesting content last night, which is, sort of like tangentially related to other stuff we've talked about on here before like and we talked about the um like over dependence of uh like psychiatric diagnosis uh diagnosis to sort of like mm, try and ease society's woes or um to make people feel like they're failing in society although society is maybe the problem yeah and there are some people who are arguing similar things are happening with autism. Um, so I read a little about, bit about the history of autism and the kind of changing diagnosis of autism over time, um, dating back to the first use of its word in the 1920s when... Who was the gentleman who invented autism? Jean Piaget who was a Swiss developmental psychologist who used it to describe pre-social states of of child thought in the early 1920s. Developmental psychologists in the 1920s wrote frequently about autism and related kinds of thinking, such as primary narcissism and symbolic thinking. Autism was regarded as part of a normal range of thinking that some people were more prone towards, and it was associated with an interest in fantasy, imagination, and daydreaming, coupled with a disinterest in relationships and social engagement, which to me sort of just describes someone who doesn't quite fit in with the rest of the people around them. Right. Yeah. Which is an interesting thing on what we've talked about. Cause I feel like so much of psychology is just kind of, when you boil it down, it's kind of like, well, you're not how we want you to behave. Sorry. Carol. Yes. No, <laughs> that's, um, that's at, at the crux of it. I think. Um, so, 
the term kind of largely fell out of the forefront of like psychiatric study or I guess research and whatnot until I think the 1970s when in the UK uh, and I'm, I think in the United States a lot of centers for mentally ill people were closed or what you know would have used to be called I guess spastic asylums mm. like I am not trying to use that word to be offensive but I'm pretty sure that's what they used to call them you know like spastic centers yeah. or in asylums for the clinically insane or whatever were closed um, and understandably once a lot of people with um, autism cases of autism on the more severe end of the spectrum had to leave those centers and try and be integrated with the rest of society again a lot more attention started to be drawn to it um, and at which point they started to sort of redefine the condition um, going to try and pull another quote here by the start of the 1970s autism had come to mean the exact opposite of what it had previously meant although both autisms describe pre-social or asocial states of mind Autism in the 50s and 60s referred to fantastical hallucinatory thinking, whereas by the 70s and 80s, autism referred to a lack of fantasy, lack of hallucination, and a lack of imagination. This was the birth of the, quote, social impairment model of autism and the idea that non-social styles of thought could be measured, quantified, calculated, and tabulated. Autism researchers of the 1970s and 80s had new models of social justice on their side, the most important, persuasive, commanding, and formidable person responsible for transforming the meaning of autism and creating the current autism spectrum was a British woman named Lorna Wing. Now, Lorna had an autistic child herself uh, and was also a psychologist um, and was responsible for this movement in um, academia in the United Kingdom, which, um, like the text said, um, switched autism from being a sort of black and white um, diagnosable condition which you either had or you didn't to a spectrum which then created this like these sliding parameters that since the 70s have become uh increasingly lenient and all-encompassing so essentially what you have now is plenty more people who are not necessarily autistic in the uh i guess traditional or classic sense of the term showing autistic traits um, and being diagnosed. Um, something else that happened is that people with Asperger's, um, which is according to contemporary definitions, I hope I'm getting this right, um, is one sort of subset of autism. Um, what you, Asperger's used to be used to describe people who were eccentric, um, particularly gifted in um, certain intellectual domains and who also um, demonstrated a, an, an unwillingness or difficulty socially engaging with the people around them or conforming to norms like, um, you know, sort of cultural customs, conformities. Or... And now you have everyone with Asperger's diagnosed with autism as well. And since the 80s, the, um, the prevalence of autism in adults has uh, increased sixfold. So uh, throughout, since like the, the 90s, because of the increased prevalence of, in diagnosis, stuff like the autism vaccine scare started developing, which was originally yeah. pushed by JFK, which is super weird. What? Yeah, like JFK was like 
our vaccines are causing autism, which is fucking oh, bizarre. The, fuck, they don't tell you that part. Do they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, which is Jesus such an Christ, unusual detail there. Huh. There's there's an argument that can be made, and um, I I think I probably lean towards this side of the argument as well. But I would like I was having a conversation with my wife this morning about this, and she made some really good points to the contrary. Um, so definitely need to give her points there. But <laughs> Peyton's fueling up on ammo to go back for round. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. She actually made uh, enough good points that she made me like sort of pivot into what I was, where this is heading to. So, okay. So, this shift in like diagnosis trends has led to what many people call neurodiversity, which is the sort of like social movement saying that, you know, uh, diversity amongst people who have different uh patterns of behavior yeah patterns of behavior neurological conditions is that's the word i was looking for um yeah it's obviously a really good thing and that as a society we need to be more accepting of people with autism um and other illnesses like it and i completely agree i think it's insane to try and make any argument to the contrary but what i really don't like is the idea that we need to put more and more people under the umbrella of autism in order for us to accept their behavior or their personalities or the way that they they live their lives um and it's almost like this this neurodiversity movement is saying like yeah this is really great if we label more people as autists i mean as autistic people (laughs) (laughs) then (laughs) fucking jesus then we can all be more accepting of one another which to me is just like a complete logical fallacy because yeah. like there's no, no no reason that having autism should be a prerequisite to being accepted as being slightly <laughs> unusual. Um, I don't see any like meaningful difference between that and just calling people retarded back in the fucking 70s. Exactly, know? right? It's the, fuck, like, it's the same oh, thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. They're just retarded. You know, like they're fine. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's, it's not their fault. Yeah. And what has happened, uh, according to some experts, is that by bringing in more and more people who uh, suffer from increasingly mild forms of autism and kind of placing them on this new spectrum, you kind of hide or alienate people with like extremely severe cases of autism who have to wear like a helmet and shit themselves, mm. you know, like they wear like adult nappies and just like scream and stay awake all night and run into walls yeah yeah and now collectively we have this view that we're really accepting um and that we sort of support neurodiversity and that everything's all good because now we have all of these autistic people in the workplace and in society when in fact we haven't really done that much more to support people who truly suffer and the families of those people who need this much assistance yeah what a horrible term sorry every time you say it i just cringe neurodiversity yeah, yeah yeah i mean it's, we need more minorities and neurodiversity yeah it's we need so more disabled like... people in the workplace now yeah. we, um and that's not, not to say that Latinx we people are getting <laughs> yeah it's not just not to say that we shouldn't have disabled people in the workplace because everybody should do what they want everybody's a little to, disabled as well to, yeah but to trumpet um neurodiversity as if it's like a sort of 
a means unto itself, I think, or sorry, an end unto itself, I think is, is unusual. Mm. And I, I think what all of this points to is this sort of pattern that you and I, I think, probably both identify with in academic circles or institutions of these professionals kind of re-entrenching the importance of their roles in terms of redefining, reshaping, sort of recycling these different ideas, um, coming up with new theories and new paradigms to to push forward. And, and basically, you, you're not fundamentally changing anything except for the frameworks that you force people to use to address the yeah. same issues. And I think this is a really classic yeah. example of that. Ah, oh, it's, 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 they're, okay, so I've just, sorry to cut you off. Yeah, it's um, okay, go. But, oh, okay. Go off, Kenny. Uh, <laughs> I've, like, just finished, or mostly finished, um, the new Adam Curtis doc, which mm-hmm. I, like, deeply, deeply fucking recommend um, to anyone who uh, listens <laughs> to this or, to, to, or doesn't listen as well. Um, uh, it's called Can't Get You Out of My Head. And they have a whole segment on that sort of thing with, um, you know, psychiatrists back in the day considering homosexuality, like a mental illness and stuff. But I mean, even if you take a less uh, sort of, um, you know, extreme example of poor psychiatric uh, takes and you think, oh, yeah, well, that was back in the fucking 70s and 80s and stuff, you know, like now it's surely much better. It's just not because at the end of the day, a lot of it is these, you know, you're just kind of like a shit person anyway to end up in that position because of the amount of work it takes and how much of an emotional psychopath you have to actually be to like you know push your way through multiple years of med school no not every doctor's an asshole but you know what i mean like it's just (laughs) there's a certain kind of person that ends up in there and if they're the ones that are making the decisions over what constitutes um yo um over what constitutes mental illness and what does not constitute mental illness and they get to be like the arbiters of uh allowable emotional bandwidth then that's fucked why that yeah yeah i why why are they the fucking judges of human behavior and the the behavioral spectrum yeah i fucking drift in and out of uh those diagnoses these like every other fucking month you know (laughs) yeah so and that's the the danger of this, right? Or, I you know, subjective danger of this. So, as I was reading through some more articles relating to autism, I came across a BBC article from 2019 um, by Philippa Roxbury mm. titled uh, "Autism Diagnosis: I Want 40 Years of My Life Back," and it talks about <laughs> a couple of right. people here, but one of them was a guy called uh, Barney, who was diagnosed with autism at the age of 49 um, and I was reading about his experience uh, of his life prior to his autism diagnosis and was reading some of these things and I was thinking like well that actually sounds a lot like me you know and under this really and uh, to, to illustrate that actually I should I'll skim through this article and I'll find some of these points um, that I actually read to Francisca this morning as well so Although, although he was good with words, he had a few friends, and by his own admission, he lacked empathy and social skills. Um, while I think I am an empathetic person, a lot of people say that I'm not. <laughs> so yeah. um, he felt increasingly depressed and inadequate. Um, this was throughout his adult life, I should point out. 
Um, while he loved looking at maps and reading about railways, other boys seized on his awkwardness and lack of confidence on the sports field. Um, I have like a bizarre fascination with staring at maps and also like thinking about infrastructure and networks. Um, so yeah, while well, it's a actually fucking interesting. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Um, as an adult, <laughs> he found social interaction hard and small talk at parties a nightmare. He wondered why he couldn't read people's emotions and show empathy. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll leave it at that, but it, it continues to describe what I think could probably be a fair amount of people. And I think I would take the liberty to say that to an extent you would fit under that description as well. <laughs> <laughs> Right. I love you calling me autistic. <laughs> yeah. And it's like... Yeah, so no, 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 that's true. I yeah. don't think... And this is where the the kind of problem lies, where because of this, like, ever-expanding definition of the word um, under psychiatric manuals and whatnot, it's like now I'm describing myself as being autistic, but I don't really think I'm autistic. Do you know what I'm saying? No. Well... But, <laughs> No, I, I fully get it because yeah. the emotional bandwidth you need to uh, navigate um, the the safe path around these mental illness diagnoses, I think, is so fucking limited mm. that that in itself is a mental illness. In my eyes, it is. Mm -hmm. You know, like the fucking caricature of um, I don't really like using the term, but uh, you know, what every uh, overly online person is using to describe like NPCs or like fucking normies, you know, or, or in my eyes, just these like droning fucking morons um that are scattered throughout the population and make up like a large part of the mm -hmm. corporate work world uh they're mentally ill <laughs> yeah. you have to be mentally ill how the fuck can you work fucking 40 to 50 hours in a soul-crushing job for 40 years without being mentally ill yeah well you know um it's like, it begs dude, the question all right and part of me is just like reliving some uh <laughs> a bit the, of the, like, corporate trauma the nightmare Oh yeah, fuck yeah! Because I was going through these old photos um, oh, that's last right. night, as mentioned, and I was looking at when I like used to uh, have a job, <laughs> have a corporate job, and I was like, "Fuck, I look like shit. I look like a completely different person." You know, just like like puffy and fucking gross and miserable <laughs> and like. Uh, I shouldn't yeah. laugh, but so, I can't help it. Oh, no, well, it is funny um, in my eyes. So I laugh at it. Yeah. But the people I met in that world who were who made it up, you know, which is, I guess, a sample size of maybe 150 people. I met a lot of fucking people, maybe 200 even, because yeah. I was a you know recruiter at one point. Were, they were fucking definitely, in my eyes, mentally ill. Um. So, mm. yeah, I, I, I hear the argument. I definitely think there's merit to that point, mm. as we've discussed before, you know. So you hit the nail on the head in terms of the next place I was going to go with this earlier, when okay. I think you asked the rhetorical question, um, who are they to decide um, what should and shouldn't be considered the sort of uh, acceptable, um, I guess, mental parameters that you behavior. should yeah that you should live within so yeah. when i started to read about what some people think is the overdiagnosis of autism and the, this ever-expanding definition in in the west um because these mm. trends have occurred in the united states the united kingdom australia um and the sort of westernized eastern countries like south korea uh and japan 
I thought to myself, hmm, okay, what's happening in China then? Came across a study called The Prevalence of Autism Spectrum Disorder in China, a nationwide multi-center population-based study among children aged 6 to 12 years. And yep. uh, in this study, they preface it by saying that um, in China, the, quote, cultural awareness of autism as it is defined by uh, Western academics has been like lacking and lagging behind the progress of the West and that real meaningful study and action of autism in China didn't begin until like the 1990s and that a part of the reason for that is that in China they have a cultural understanding that uh, more intelligent and bright children speak later. So they have like this reframing of some of the traits that autistic children actually display in their younger years. Whereas we, we, we look at a quiet, socially awkward child who is having trouble speaking or interacting with his peers. And we say like, okay, like what's wrong with him? In China, they actually have this thought that, oh, well, like look at this intelligent child. He's choosing not to speak. Um, yeah. which I think is the a first an initial really interesting distinction. And I'm not going to dive into the, the methodology too much here because it will, I think, bore the listeners. But essentially these guys <laughs> um, took a sample of um, 15,000 children aged between 6 to 12 uh, across eight different cities in five different provinces in China, all of which were like uh, heavily built up metropolitan areas and then took the now I'm gonna forget the name of this what is the name of the um the sort of psychiatric bible the um the manual yes exactly (coughs) took the most updated version of the dsm and then took the uh, autism diagnosis criteria translated it into mandarin and then sort of placed it in another environment and cultural context and then surveyed all of these children who were from backgrounds including regular schools, special schools and uh, homeschooling where they received like sort of disability treatment and whatnot. Um, And to their surprise, sorry, I should point out as well that in the preface to this study, they identify that uh, meta-analyses conducted of Children in China identify that, right. suggest that 0.3% of children in China have autism. Whereas similar studies in the West and the, the consensus from like the CDC, for example, um, is that between 1.5 and 2.5% of children have autism. And that varies from country to country. So I think um, in the, the United States, 2.4% of children uh, have autism um, as as uh, defined by the uh, DSM. And yep. so that's a, what is that? That is a, an eightfold increase from Chinese studies. So these guys mm. took um, Western methods because remember, uh, Chinese cultural awareness was insufficiently developed to diagnose autism. And then- Oh, right, okay. They're too autistic to fucking <laughs> diagnose themselves. Yeah, and yeah. then- um took Western methods to China uh, and found uh, that according to their methods, rather than 0.3%, 0.8% of Chinese children were autistic. And 
uh, 47% of those uh, positive diagnoses were previously undiagnosed, meaning that they went into this sort of new cultural context with a far more lenient and I would say scrutinous method of diagnoses and then found a whole bunch of kids who in the Chinese perspective were smart or different or quiet and then said, you have autism. Yeah. <clears throat> Which right. opens a whole new like discussion and can of worms, but it's really fascinating. Uh, I think you would need to look more into this and I'm sure there are studies about this, but it would be really interesting to learn about um, sort of whether there's a chicken or egg type situation when it comes to autism and cultural context or like environment because in other undeveloped nations uh, like in poor African states and in um, South and Central America and I shouldn't say other undeveloped because China is you know developing it's pretty developed now um, they have similar rates of diagnosis and it's unclear whether or not um, Western methods of identifying, defining, and diagnosing conditions like autism are, in fact, superior as academics in the West would have you believe, or yeah. if the cultural outlook of people in other parts of the world is just completely different and they actually don't see mild forms of autism and Asperger's as an issue that needs addressing uh, and probably yeah. may, and might have more acceptance towards people who just fall into different categories. <sighs> I find this shit like kind of narcissistic, to be honest. You know, I, I, <laughs> very uh, probably um, not, but you know, <laughs> it's kind of like a mentally ill opinion. <laughs> but um, it just—I don't know. I, I don't think that many people are that special, you know. Like <laughs> in terms of the fact that they even have a diagnosis. But um, and this is maybe part and part because I've like flooded my brain with Adam Curtis shit. But over the last few days, but th this like hyper, uh, you know, individualist mindset where everybody is going to be examined and thought of as unique um and you know it, just ruthlessly combed over mm -hmm. uh and told that they're different than the norm um i think does lead to this overdiagnosis and obsession over these like increasingly fringe uh definitions of mental illness you know mm. to the point where it's just like you know do you ever feel weird <laughs> you're probably mentally ill you're probably autistic yeah uh it's just like <laughs> Like, I don't think anybody, like, you know, most people, like, suffer from this shit. Um, it's just life, you know, and if you had less focus on yourself or you're less sort of turned in, maybe it wouldn't matter as much. But mm. everybody's so, you know, like, constantly uh, combing over every little part of their fucking behavior. Yeah. So, like, you know? I should emphasize, and I, I think I'm probably emphasizing something that you would agree with, um, that this is not to say that there are not people with severe autism who do really need our understanding and, and help to have a better life mm. and for their their families and loved ones to have a better life as well. That's not what we're saying at all. What we are saying, though, is that we think there's a tendency for stretching of, of the imagination to try yeah. and imbue people with these labels that are not 
really required that much. So in I don't, I don't even care about the disclaimer to be honest because if you if you misconstrue the point then you're probably you're probably you're probably just a fuckwit okay. because it's just yeah, so enough. obvious to everyone, you know? Like well, that's the thing though. It's not obvious to everybody. Oh. Uh, unfortunately. Yeah, but yeah, okay, yeah, fair enough. But it's it's also like it's so annoying, man, cuz it's I'm more keen like I've been thinking in my head it's just to like I, I don't care enough to even do the disclaimer shit um, mm-hmm. within a lot of my uh, more controversial opinions mm. because it, the fact is is like of course there's fucking people who are like uh, need mental health services and whatnot mm. like that's just the fucking obvious one it's just the fact that, um, that way less people that actually need it and the people that do it's not glamorous it's not fucking you know there's nothing good about it it's uh, horrible a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. What you said about uh, combing over information to to find uh, new ways to categorize people was really interesting because in the United States, the CDC actually has a rolling ongoing program where they yeah. sift through databases and the these particular data sets are going to elude me. But essentially, it's, you know, um, several batches of medical records, like psychiatric test results, blah, 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 blah. Um, I'd imagine all um, anonymized for privacy reasons, but so that they can have like a self-updating record of what percentage of the population is autistic. So they're like, they're constantly scouring through documents and test results to try and find more autistic people. Like it's, it's fucking unusual, dude. That's see, that's fucking mental illness right there. It's like, it's like paranoia. It fucking is, man. The, the, like, um, this is this sucks. <laughs> like, I'm just gonna go this sucks. sad. Like I just think it's so fucking horrid and awful. Uh, and I just know that like sooner or later, there's this is just gonna devolve into some stupid um, bureaucratic fucking you know CIA sponsored woke moron to get in there and start diagnosing people in terms of what like harry potter house they should fucking fit in and that will just form like the ultimate uh guide of society like you know you're diagnosed with you uh well yeah it's anyway, classism that's, that's what it um... probably is at the end of the day it's just some way to fucking you know separate out the people that want to feel nice normal and special and to and the other ones that want to, I don't know, not. Well, yeah, triggering. Yeah, to me. it's um, <laughs> th- this thought is just occurring to me now. Like, I, I and I know that for the most part, I think bureaucrats and people in power, like you know, politicians, for example, or um, the heads of um, the National Institute of Health, or say, people in mm. powerful positions in intelligence agencies and whatnot, um, who really sort of like control the nodes of power particularly in western countries um it it makes me wonder if there's something embedded in neoliberalism or liberal democracy um which causes us to figure out new ways to give more people victim complexes in order to kind of disempower more and more people and have them suckling on the teat of the state yeah so i fully believe that it's sort of like if 
If you can convince more and more people that they have a mental disability or a cognitive disorder, or that they are a part of um, a minority identity group who are being persecuted and who need the assistance of the state and uh, an intervention for your life to be good, then like, do you become the sort of like, do you become infanticized? Um, is that, wait, did I say infanticized or infantilized? Which one is it? I'm going to look that up really quickly. I don't know. Welcome yeah. to Words with Modern Guild. <laughs> <laughs> infantilized, <laughs> yes. Infantilized, yeah, yes. right, okay. So, I mean, that, that's food for thought. Um, maybe slightly conspiratorial, but, uh, it, it, you know, things point that way. No, I, I, I definitely believe it. Well, <laughs> I think the people that wind up in these positions are like, Box checkers are, uh, you know, good little um, sycophants, I think, are the ultimate, you know, holders of these, um, you know, positions of power and people writing out these diagnoses. And through the um, lens that they look through, they see, you know, lots of like uh, mental illness throughout the population and people that need their help. So I would say that they're unfortunately maybe thinking that they are running with the best of intentions, you know, and going out there and trying to save the world. Mm -hmm, but yeah. um, instead, they're making it this fucking nightmarish, uh, you know, clusterfuck where anything other than this narrow bandwidth of emotion seems to be acceptable. So mm, and that, fuck them. That's like problematic for me, <clears throat> trying to reconcile this kind of like idea or theory, because I don't think that the majority of people have bad intentions. Like, I think the majority of people who are... That's the problem. <laughs> you know, the majority of people who are in um, care positions or are conducting medical research or who are uh, psychologists, um, I think they all genuinely want to help people and make the world a better place. But I think it's something about the system, man. That, and I, I can't even put my finger on what it is, but this just like perpetual identification of problems and ways to solve them mm. when, we, when we overlook so many seemingly more tangible issues, in my opinion. But what are we going to do? Yeah, well, well, that's the interesting thing again about like, and again, highly recommend people check out Can't Get You Out of My Head, um, is that there's sort of like this wonderful documentation of that from people who have the best of intentions who say, I want to make like a better China or a better Germany or a better fucking whatever, or a better world. Um, I can do it, but only if people would just act right, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's so much of that is coming down to people trying to boil people down to these very simplistic models or boxes or methods of, and actions and, you know, ways of behaving and forcing them to act that way and then people rebelling because eventually it might work for a little while but you know people are naturally chaotic and weird and diverse and mm. uh moody um miserable creatures you know that like to uh form tribes and fuck and like or they did like that i've heard there's been like <laughs> there's a fucking mental illness i heard there's like a widespread this is gonna sound like real incel hours incel. <laughs> <laughs> but you know like um widespread epidemic of people not fucking which to me is more concerning than anything else i think mm, like yeah. the fact that japan's not fucking that's not good that's like a real red flag no the know? world needs more japanese people in it yeah yeah more fucking japanese people in it but mm. um 
anyway, it's like that seems to be the course over and over again, you know, and it, it it's never is going to work because of the dynamic nature of people. They're weird. They're they're uncontrollable. You know. Yeah. They have moods. They get obsessed with shit. They put it down. Even boring normies that have somehow like uh, somehow managed to be, you know, automatons. Even they're like miserable. There's a weird number of automatons I've met that smoke meth. Like a like a strange number. Like way higher than you'd think there is. Yeah. Yeah. Or I, or I... do weird shit like you know uh go to fucking brothels and and or, you know i don't know i've just met a lot of fucking people where i'd be like oh i thought you were uh, a boring automaton and it turns out you're just a fucking degenerate drug addict in your <laughs> so you know i'm not even sure how many normies exist because every time i meet a normie i'm kind of like weird I've, I've i've met less normies than i have people on a spectrum of some kind I swear to fucking God, the number of normies I've met, but normies, fucking, you know, air quotes, I swear to God would be like the number of severely autistic people I've met or severely, uh, you know, sorry, I've removed that phrase, actually autistic people that I've met. Yeah, no, I get you. Um, Probably also a reflection of where you hang out, though. (laughs) There are plenty of normies to be found, man. Well, you'd think so, wouldn't you? You'd think so. How many of those fucking, you know, Brisbane dads boosting around on their cycle gang are out down uh, behind their wives' back at the uh, local men's sauna? Oh, very know? few of them. You reckon? I'm certain, yeah. I, I, it's important to note that New Zealand is a strangely dark place. Word, okay. Yeah, maybe I've been here too long. Um, <laughs> Christchurch <laughs> particularly. It has a culture yeah, of degeneracy and, uh, and the dark arts uh, imbue themselves there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's my perspective on it, at least. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Fair all enough. our Christchurch listeners. We love you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So did you have some cryptocurrency-related banter? Before moving on. Yes. I had time to have a big big brain take on this mental illness discussion um (laughs) which is uh perhaps you know the the sacredness that people like to assign these words and how you know you're not meant to say retarded anymore because um that's offensive or you certainly certainly aren't meant to use the term autistic to describe anything other than a medical diagnosis Mm -hmm. um you know is in fact hugely detrimental to the acceptance of these people and it may i think would be better if you know you could describe your mate who's like a little retarded or a little autistic or a little depressed yeah you know like you could say oh so and so is a little depressed and that somehow isn't as offensive as saying that he's a little autistic sometimes or um you know a little schizophrenic or a little bipolar or a little fucking anything else because all of these are part of the natural range of human emotion and human experience Mm. so yeah i get that and i think it's important to note as well that when you when you say for example like yeah damon's fucking retarded like (laughs) i'm not saying that in a bad way at all like i'm saying it because you're fucking funny and you act like an idiot sometimes and i love you like it's not 
Is it not because people who suffer from other other conditions suck? Like it's not that at all. Yeah, they're but... fine. They're great. Um, but anyway, while you were uh, away tending to yourself, I uh, came across a really brilliant screenshot on Twitter of an old CNN article, and it reads. Donald Trump attacked Hillary Clinton in vulgar terms Monday night, saying that her bathroom break during the last Democratic debate was just too, quote, disgusting to talk about, and then <laughs> stating that she, quote, got schlonged by Barack Obama in the 2008 presidential race. <laughs> Holy fuck, man. It's fucking it's hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, Jesus Christ. There's definitely a vacuum left. Hey, oh, absolutely, man. Yeah. People are digging yeah. up old old Trump quotes just to like share on Twitter because everyone misses it so much. Yeah. Yeah. His um social media platform that he's apparently making is gonna be fucking hilarious, I bet. Oh, I hope so, yeah. We'll yeah. um have to yeah. set up the MG profile for it. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Um, yeah, so I was diving into this Curtis Dark, as mentioned, um, and one thing that I found interesting is there's a segment on company towns, mm-hmm. and um, I think we've touched on that briefly. We talked about uh, old school company towns and um, how Facebook and Microsoft and Tesla are all forming their own company towns effectively, um, which is hilarious because the original company town was the domain of coal and uh, mining oligopolies and mm. uh they would essentially you know build these towns and the people would come and then they would yeah. uh, have them work there and, and i everything. mean and um, i to some extent still exist as well in places you know like in australia they have what are essentially towns set up like they're mm. all like uh what do you call it like prefabricated structures that they'd kind of just ship in and drop there and there's catering and services and everything um you know workers fly from the metropolitan areas where they live and stay there for 10 days and come back so similar absolutely yeah Mm. it is uh, definitely similar what i was not uh familiar with was the fact that these companies also had their own company currencies that they would use to pay people um which was yeah, it's just fascinating. <laughs> and it's a really interesting history there that these um, companies would effectively set up their own type of currency that you could then uh, use at the company store, but only at the company store. So it would only be something that would be relevant to the um, stores that the company owned. So <laughs> within the company town, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, they often were a way to like prepay employees so you could either get your uh you know pay um when it comes through or you could have company coin um or company script or whatever the fuck it was early and then that's uh would come out of your wages at a later date but you couldn't have your wages paid early so the effect of these uh company like company coins or whatever 
was effectively um, it would lock people in to staying at a particular mining location at a particular company town, um, and they could only really use it to buy shit at the company stores. Which you would then think, oh, well, maybe it's discounted. Maybe there's some sort of incentive there to have the company coin. But uh, I ended up getting into this um, journal of economic history. Uh, which is called "Did Coal Miners Owe Their Souls to the Company Store: Theory and Evidence from the Early 1900s," um, which talks about how the company stores would have 12 percent uh, higher fucking prices than oh. other stores. So, in a sense, it was, and also it was like an ultimate act of paternalism because the company stores wouldn't allow you to buy like goods that they deemed to be unacceptable to a uh, you know productive worker. Yeah, right. So, Oh, that's yeah. so grim. So no alcohol at the company store, basically. Fuck me, um, that's horrific. What else are you going to do horrific. living it's... near a coal mine? Yeah, well, you know, it was basically there's a very set number of things that you could buy um, from them uh, and the prices were all jacked up. And worse is you couldn't really exchange the company coin for currency because the currency... Uh, the exchange fee that the company would provide was uh, made it entirely worthless. So they're making money like a bunch of different ways with these company coins. Um, so that was a uh, dark little area of history that I was not aware of within the realm of these, um, you know, company towns. Yeah. So let's fast track it to today, uh, which I had not seen anyone do. Um, but there is, I think you may remember Facebook Libra. Yes, or maybe our vaguely, listeners will remember. Yeah. yeah. For anyone that doesn't know what it is, Facebook was essentially trying to create its own cryptocurrency um, within, you know, that, that was going to be this like new uh, currency that would transcend borders and uh, liberalize the uh you know i don't know like the global south it's gonna help yeah. it would allow people. for yeah, uh, yeah. micro payments and uh uh assistant loans yeah um and that caused like a bunch of shockwaves and i think the project's largely been stalled um but cryptocurrency was one of the things that struck me as like oh um when it first was coming out, I was always wondering, like, hmm, I wonder if corporations are just going to start snapping this up as a tool to then, um, you know, lock people into only buying their services. Because it seems like a really obvious use of cryptocurrency. In fact, it's the only one that I've kind of thought of where I was like, well, that makes sense. Uh, surely at some point we'll have Amazon coin and Walmart coin and fucking all this other shit. Yeah. <sighs> so... Lo and behold, <laughs> it's actually already happening. And the pretty much the same way that the company coins worked back in the day. So Amazon, uh, Washington Post brought out this article and Washington Post, people may not know, is owned by Amazon um, or owned by Jeff Bezos, like there's any meaningful fucking difference there. Um, and they brought out this largely optimistic piece called Mission Racer, how Amazon turned the tedium of warehouse work into a game. Um, which details the, uh, you know, industrious, this is, it's almost like reading uh, G's moments or like some fucking Chinese 
state media talking about <laughs> things, you know, like, um, so it's like inside several Amazon, uh, warehouses, hundreds of employees spend hours a day playing video games. Some compete by racing virtual dragons or sports cars around a track while others collaborate to build castles piece by piece. So warehouse workers are, uh, the Amazon effectively designed these video games to make people like work harder for 10 hours a day. Um, you don't have to play the video games, but it's like, you know, I don't know. They're trying to gamify low skill work so that people can, you know, um, slave away packing boxes and shit and with a smile on their face, as well as foster a healthy uh, sense of competition and camaraderie amongst their workers. Oh, yeah, I bet. You know, <laughs> um, that's so funny. what they've done. Just like quickly, sorry, that's like ironic because just earlier this morning I shared an image in our group chat of um, <laughs> what they call uh, at some of the Amazon ware warehouses, they have a despair closet. All right. This headline, Amazon says sad workers can shut themselves in, quote, despair closet. Um, so <laughs> there you go. They have uh, video games and despair closets at Amazon centers. <laughs> Well, if you play the, oh, this is where the shit gets dark. If you play the game, um, you can earn what Amazon has created, uh, which is called swag bucks that can then be reimbursed to buy Amazon goods and services, you know, or probably just goods to be honest. Uh, <laughs> so that's part of the whole thing is they, they're making you play these shitty games so you can earn your like amazon swag bucks um which is by the way fuck you whoever made that name you know that's so autistic that's the fucking worst thing that i've ever heard in my entire life that's mental illness calling like your current like at least just call it amazon coin or something don't call it fucking swag bucks, bucks. yeah it's, it's not very good because it's it? swaggy to work at amazon <laughs> you know like that HR person needs to be tried by like a fucking jury of Amazon warehouse workers. Anyway, so these crypto, or, you know, these coins effectively are like largely still in use by these large tech companies, but you know, that's being uh, broadcast under a, um, you know, sort of positive light. And there was another case of it with uh, Walmart effectively giving, instead of paying Mexicans, um, Mexico workers, uh, money, they were giving them vouchers only redeemable in the chain's outlets. That's fucking <laughs> horrendous, dude. So there are store coupons, um, harking back and, you know, they actually were outlawed off the back of that, but, um, <laughs> as they should that, be, <laughs> it's just, yeah, well, I mean, it's just, it's so obvious that eventually this is just gonna, you know, it's already starting to move into, um, the side of consumers being slowly more and more locked into these uh, services, which I can't see how this won't end up in an uh, antitrust case of some kind, mm. because eventually if, you know, you're getting, not only are you only making money with amp with swag bucks, <laughs> how much you get paid? I get paid in swag bucks, man. <laughs> like how fucking shitty is that? <laughs> Like, hey, man, you want to, uh, like, come to the bar on the weekend? Nah, man, my swag bucks only let me buy my booze from Amazon. <laughs> yeah. You can only go to, like, Amazon-sponsored swag buck, you know. Um, swag bars. bars and shit. Swag bars. Ugh, God, it's so horrible. Uh, so, yeah, ba basically, 
the larger picture of what's happening is effectively people getting tied into um you know these fucking monopolies where mm. they'll only be able to redeem their currencies at uh amazon stores or walmart stores as well as the flip side of that is consumers getting locked into it as well which you can see with you know like you get more prime points or whatever the fuck the whole prime thing is i don't know i don't shop on amazon yeah right um, i speaking of like you know growing monopolies did you see that mm. amazon recently bought mgm for eight billion dollars i did see that yeah it affected one Big of my stocks move. i can't remember which one it was viacom <laughs> oh was it okay I, yeah i think it would have been fucking thing. um yeah but nothing yeah, to worry yeah. about though all good uh but yeah man it's fucking gnarly dude what and what amazon is doing with amazon prime is like very um uh, i hate to say it but impressive um that is impressive yeah 100%. i yeah i'm just gonna take a moment now i'm gonna um hold the podcast hostage to make people listen to me talk about the uh upcoming amazon lord of the rings series which i'm like extremely excited for word i didn't know they were doing that yeah man so they've bought uh the well, gosh uh, hayden tell me more <laughs> okay damon no problem <laughs> They bought uh, the rights from Tolkien's uh, estate to uh, yeah produce a series based on some of the work that takes place um, prior to the Lord of the Rings. Also, yep. which looks at uh, the Wars of the Second Age, which is the uh, fictional age that comes before the Third Age, which is when the Lord of the Rings trilogy and The Hobbit is set. So, actually, that's scheduled for release later this year i believe it was being produced in new zealand and they got like a 580 million dollar tax break for it so wow. the, the entire series has um been given a one billion dollar budget which is pretty amazing um and i'm excited as a motherfucker because i'm a lord of the rings loser and mm. um it it yeah. plays a disproportionately important part of my life so nice yeah how many swag bucks do you think you just made uh, 10. 10 per plug for Amazon Prime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, fucking good on you. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'll probably tune in as well. Um, yeah, you, you know, will. At some point. I, I, yeah, they, they are fucking totally snapping up everything. Um, it is impressive. It's impressively dystopian. Mm -hmm. I'm not like... I think it's disgusting as well. I think the whole idea of the swag bucks and locking people in and the just obvious eventuality of, you know, Amazon coin. I'm calling it now. I'm putting my bets down. It'll fucking happen. It's the most mm. obvious use of cryptocurrency. Everybody likes to think there's going to be this decentralized network of fucking Bitcoin that won't be manipulated by governments. But in reality, Bitcoin's just going to be used to be manipulated by like the five or six whales that own billions of fucking Bitcoin. And then large companies will be like, hey, wait, you mean we can track every fucking purchase someone makes um, in perpetuity uh, and lock them into only using one currency relevant for our store? Of Sounds course, they're going to fucking do that. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty mind-boggling. Uh, it doesn't take a genius to spell this out, but you know, Amazon is so well set up to be able to offer eighty percent of the products and services that a person consumes within, say, a decade. You know, so like mm. you could you can have your like Amazon Life bundle where you yeah. have um, a set uh, monthly budget that you 
can use to go to your Amazon Fresh supermarkets where you don't have to interact with people and you just take your stuff and walk out the door. You get Amazon Prime, which in a decade will have like just an insane amount of entertainment options, including live sports and whatnot, I'd imagine. Um, then obviously you have Amazon, Amazon. Are they working on autonomous vehicles in some way or another? I don't know, but I would be surprised, mm. basically. I mean, Amazon, they're so huge. Then, yeah. like, because if you can have those three and then, like, Amazon rideshare um, or something like that, you know, why would people not do that? People yeah. do that in China already with, like, um, with uh, well, Weibo, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a fascinating site that you can check out, Amazon Graveyard. Uh, no, it's, no, it's not what it sounds like. Um, it's effectively all the failed products that they've tried to launch, and you can nice. see exactly what areas they're trying to get into. Um, there was an episode of Econ Talk that I originally approached with skepticism because anybody talking about AI, I kind of tune out, you know, because mostly it's either super academic people being like, AI is nothing that anybody thinks, and yeah. it's ultimately a lot more boring and benign. Or it's people being like, AI is going to fucking rule the world. But this episode is really, really good. I can't actually remember the name of it, but I can try and look it up for the show notes. And it was a woman coming on. She was a journalist and she was talking about how these companies are effectively going to be locking people in to being Amazon people. And, you know, you're really just going to be locked into so many fucking services that it's going to almost be impossible to date someone that is like outside of Amazon, you know, because it's like, well, if your whole world's tethered to it, if your smart fridge from Amazon is ordering you fucking your Amazon goods that are coming, you know, to your house and you're getting the Amazon ride share and you work for Amazon, you get your swag bucks and your swag bucks are only redeemable at Amazon stores. How the fuck are you going to date someone who's like a Google employee or something, you know, or outside of that? Mm, your Which finances is like, will be like <laughs> incompatible. <laughs> yeah. You can only invest on the Amazon fucking stock market for Amazon approved companies. You know. <laughs> oh, <fucking hell. laughs> this is getting too much um well yeah it's i don't believe it'll happen because i think eventually um you know now that bezos is out uh it's more likely that amazon will continue to thrive and then eventually fall away like all oligopolies do or monopoly players because they just get inefficient and shitty after a while you know they grow too big mm -hmm. it's the fucking tide of empires but it does make for an interesting case study and it is going to be dystopian for a reasonable period of time so mm. you can bet on that <laughs> what do you think is uh bezos's next move do you think he's going to focus on blue origin yeah i reckon like him and, i i think that him and musk have some fucking beef hey oh certainly kind of shitty yeah man i think he's shitty about the like progress of SpaceX versus Blue Origin, which just seems like dwindling. Seems to have done impressive. nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Musk is just launching like fucking massive cocks into the sky and Bezos is just sitting there like limp as fuck, you know? <laughs> Construction of the uh, SpaceX spaceport will begin next year. Oh, word. Right. Mind boggling, man. Fuck yeah. It's fucking sci fi. I love watching those videos of the SpaceX um, launches, dude. And the way, the way like the Starships return is just absolutely astonishing to me. It, so re impressive. it yeah. really looks like something out of a movie. Like the future is here with SpaceX. It's unbelievable. Starlink, I think, in and of itself, funding the entire thing is just a big genius move mm -hmm. um, and will actually make money 
unlike Tesla. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's a good play, and it's like the fucking moat is huge. You know, who the fuck can compete with him? Mm. You know, he's like if he has the global internet, um, which is I fucking will sign up for because our internet here is so substandard, uh, and in Australia it's horrid. You uh-huh. know, so. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm fascinated. I think Bezos is going to try and like compete on those fronts mm. more. I've seen he's been cashing out bigly on his um, Amazon position. Yeah, uh, cashing out like a billion, two billion at a time, mm-hmm. which is sick. So yeah, no fight of the billionaires. Bring it on. I'm speaking of, I'll watch that. Speaking of Starlink and Australia's terrible internet, uh, the New South Wales Police have actually just become the first Australian uh, Starlink enterprise customer. Oh, word. Mm. right. Uh, Fuck, I think you already. I don't realize you can get it. I think particularly. Well, I mean, I guess if if you're a big organization, you can probably hit them up, and you know, I think for retail customers, if you're in the UK or North America, you can you can uh, pre-order your service. But I suppose for um, yeah. you know, institutions, they can just contact them directly. But um, yeah. you know, I think because Starlink is um, so focused at providing. Uh, you know, good connections to like regional and rural areas like Australia could benefit hugely from that because um, mm-hmm. the NBN rollout in the regions in Australia is like a fucking absolute joke. You know, um, yep. internet speeds in the major cities here are bad enough, but when you go, um, you know, a few hours into the country, like they're at the point now where it's like hard for them to do like um, what's what, what I was saying, like a telehealth consultations and whatnot um stuff like that like their video connections to specialists in the hospitals and metropolitan centers are not even good enough to be able to like have a fucking appointment which is just like sounds like 2003 you know it's um Mm. it's not acceptable at all so starlink i think will be very helpful for australia yeah fuck yeah yeah you know so yeah there's shit to look forward to um there's also like exploitative labor practices coming uh and um you know increasingly boxed in societies but fuck it go check out adam curtis's new doc can't get you out of my head uh, how many swag bucks did you get tight. paid for that uh, like negative 10 because it's so based. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um you know i'm probably on a fucking list now but whatever i don't care that's all good i don't even want swag books actually i do buy shit from amazon i get melatonin because you can't get it in new zealand which is because our state has uh mandated that melatonin is not allowable for retail consumers interesting so yeah i know it's all part of the paternalism you know Mm -hmm. they i'm not allowed to buy the fucking hormones manufactured in my goddamn head to get to sleep every night so i have to get it from amazon oh <laughs> all right let's leave it at that so yeah yeah check it out it's a fucking epic if you're still with us thanks for listening this one's been a little bit of a longer episode so that's nice you're welcome um next week damon we will need to do the bonus pod um so we'll have yeah, right. two episodes on the way next week for our patreon subscribers if you go to patreon forward slash modern guilt hit us up subscribe pay us money and in exchange (laughs) you can listen to the episodes that we do which focus exclusively on stocks and the market um 
and we mm. will be we actually haven't decided what stocks we're gonna research for next week but we'll do that <laughs> uh if you have any suggestions hit us up yeah i mean again no i guess it would be weird if we did hgen we can't really do that yeah That's i'm already real. so balls deep in it i don't even want to think about it really so we'll maybe find something contentious um we were talking about doing privatized prisons and we uh that might be an interesting <laughs> one to look at yeah could because be. uh or michael burry's got some fat positions on stuff so generally economic commentary he's shorting the u.s treasury um Ooh. you know i don't know we'll find okay. out interesting yeah, um how far <laughs> away are, are uh, amazon prisons that would be the uh, the last fucking straw for me, dude. I would boycott those yeah. motherfuckers all day if they started running jails. <laughs> Re-education centers for... Yeah, they wouldn't call them prisons. They'll, they'll call them something like, you know... Yeah, um, no, of course. Yeah. Correctional facilities. I mean, I guess that they're already called that. But anyway, yeah. Um, so that's that's it. Swankication. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you want to hit us up on Twitter, I am at whyworry underscore oh Damon is at guilt underscore modern. Or you can follow us on I'm Instagram at modern guilt pod. Modern guilt account. So, yes, know. he has. Yeah, hit us up. Um, um, too lazy to start my own. That's all good. So, mm-hmm. yep. All right, Alrighty, boys. Peace Take out. Care. See you next week. Take it easy. Thank you.